you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. And we are almost done with week nine, and it can't be over a moment too soon. Uh, (laughs) It was a frustratingly awful week. We'll get to that and plenty more in just a little bit. But uh, as always, joined by producer Justin and the specialist at the cast of dozens that help us put on this show. And uh, joined on screen, as always, by my pal Michael F. Florio. And uh, we were talking about this this morning. Like Week nine was... Uh, it was pretty much just a, a dumpster fire when it came to, <laughs> to fantasy predictions and analysis this week. Yeah, it was uh, especially rough um, for me because I'm a Bills fan and my favorite player uh, in NFL history really is Josh Allen. So hearing yesterday nonstop about how the other Josh Allen was having a career day and my favorite player Josh Allen was struggling, it was uh, it was a little bit of a rough day for me. Josh Allen just dominated Josh Allen. And, uh, you know, <laughs> at some point you figured Josh Allen was going to come up with an answer for Josh Allen. But you know, Josh Allen just kept uh, stepping up and making plays whenever Josh Allen couldn't get it done. Um, yeah, that was wild. <laughs> he, he, he it, it was it was fun at first, but by like the fourth quarter when the Bills are losing and turning over the ball, I was like, enough already. Like, I get it. Like, <laughs> I mean, Jaguars Josh Allen pretty much hit for the cycle against Bills Josh Allen yeah. on Sunday. Uh, and the Jaguars shocked the world getting a 9-6 win. Uh, that and then was he he photoshopped amazing. his face on on Michael Jordan. With the, <laughs> yeah. I took that part. Like I was like, I can't even be mad. Like this guy deserves it. Like go out and and celebrate all week. You you've yeah. earned it. Uh, I mean, honestly, from the moment he got drafted, I was sort of uh, secretly rooting for the day that Josh Allen would sack Josh Allen. I didn't think <laughs> uh, it would just be a Josh Allen bonanza in any one game. But uh, you know, here here we are. So. Uh, we have plenty to talk about on the show today. We're going to ask the question, is it a wrap for Clyde Edwards-Alaire in Kansas City? How worried should we be about him? Also, is it time to jump on the Ramondre Stevenson train? And, of course, we will have a preview of the Monday Night Football game between the Bears and the Steelers. But first, let's get into some fantasy headlines, as we usually do. Uh, start in Carolina, where it was another awful day for Sam Darnold and that start he had uh, the first three weeks or so of the season is a distant memory Uh, an awful game against the Patriots Uh, no touchdowns three interceptions got screamed at by Robbie Anderson on the sidelines and a a tweet I saw uh, about Sam Darnold specifically against the Patriots because remember uh, it was what a couple years ago when he did the whole I'm seeing ghosts thing and that was against New England um In his career against the Patriots, Sam Darnold has one touchdown pass, nine interceptions, and zero wins, 
just perfectly awful. But this Florio kind of <laughs> is part of a string of awfulness that we've seen from him over the last month or so. Uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? He was benched for P.J. Walker. Um, he got the starting job again this week. Now it's sort of up in the air. And so the question is, at, at some point, if we have, say, D.J. Moore or if we're holding on to Robbie Anderson for whatever reason, do we need for P.J. Walker to take over as the starting quarterback? Uh, it can't hurt at this point, I don't think. Sam Darnold is is Sam Darnold. Like, uh, I, I actually even tweeted yesterday, Marcus, like maybe Sam Darnold owes Adam Gase an apology because <laughs> it's that bad right now for Sam Darnold. Since week five, his high in passing yards is 207. He doesn't have a game in that stretch with multiple passing touchdowns. Hasn't thrown a passing touchdown in three straight games. Uh, seven touchdowns on the year to 11 interceptions. It's been brutal. Uh, and I'm kind of kicking myself because early in the year, I did get sucked into uh, Sam Darnold's good play. But he was rushing touchdowns, and we knew that wasn't sustainable for him. So uh, I I think even with Christian McCaffrey back, he struggled. Yeah, I think we should be rooting for P.J. Walker for one reason, Marcus, because Sam Darnold right now is going to get these receivers there hurt. Like, it happened with D.J. Moore yesterday. It happened with Terrace Marshall. Uh, Robbie Anderson was screaming at him over the sideline. Not only is he not playing well, he's not protecting his receivers either. That's obviously a big part. I think not necessarily for fantasy. I mean, obviously, we don't want to see anybody hurt for any reason, especially you know for fantasy purposes. You don't want to lose one of your receivers. But if you're Matt Rule right now, if you're the head coach of the Carolina Panthers and you don't trust that your quarterback can keep your other players protected, then you really do have to look at making the change. And the way Darnold is playing, I don't feel like there's much to lose by putting P.J. Walker in there. Um, the, the Panthers are sort of in free fall right now in a, in a conference where you know, they're not out of it. Um, you know, I looked this morning and I, I thought the 49ers were done at 3-5, and five, but they're still very much in play for a wild card. Same goes for the Panthers. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a change coming soon, um, and maybe that helps with guys like D.J. Moore. Make, uh, yeah, I don't know. Makes you wonder what they would have been with Teddy Bridgewater. It really does, because Teddy B... Had a pretty good day. The Broncos had a really good day against the Dallas Cowboys, and it does make you wonder what they would have done if they hadn't decided <laughs> to go out and, and make that change. Who knows? Um, in Arizona, Chase Edmonds left the game early on Sunday against the 49ers with an ankle injury. It turns out they didn't need him because James Conner was next level, uh, scoring three touchdowns against San Francisco in a rout. But the report coming this morning from our own Ian Rappaport says Chase Edmonds is feared to have suffered a high ankle sprain and that potentially means a short-term stay on injured reserve, which of course is at least three games. Generally speaking, players with a high ankle sprain miss anywhere from four to six weeks. So what it looks like, at least right now, is that Chase Edmonds is certainly going to miss some time. The question becomes how much. In the interim... I mean, look, Florio, James Conner was already playing well, was scoring touchdowns at will, but now with no Chase Edmonds, does that make Conner a must-start every week? I think so. I, I know yesterday was a little skewed because there was no Kyler Murray. The, the cards were very banged up, but in Edmonds' absence, they tar targeted James Conner five times. He caught all five of them. Uh, he went for... 
77 receiving yards and a touchdown. He rushed for 96 yards and two. I mean, this is his fourth game with multiple touchdowns this year. The touchdowns alone were keeping him at, at fantasy as a starting option, even with Chase Edmonds. But in his absence, I don't think it's going to be like a split between him and Eno Benjamin. I think Eno will get involved, but the bulk of the carries and the targets, I think, go to Connor. We know he's already going to get those goal line carries. I think he is very much so a must-start option until Edmonds returns. And after that, I think there might be a changing of the guard there. I mean, it's going to be hard to get away from James Conner if he keeps playing this well. I would agree with that, too. And I thought Chase Edmonds was always sort of a nice complimentary piece. I never believed he was necessarily going to be a front-line guy. That's what the Cardinals were trying to do, and he was fine. But really, that touchdown upside is what makes Connor super valuable. But now, if he's going to start getting more touches, um, then I, I can't really envision a scenario where I would take him out of my lineup. Um, by the way, I, I I felt like this weekend I was victimized multiple times by Arizona State University. Uh, first, the Sun Devils <laughs> beat up on my beloved Trojans, uh, who just don't have a clue and and really might as well just just wave the white flag for the rest of the season. Uh, then on top of it, Eno Benjamin comes out of nowhere to score a touchdown against the 49ers. I don't really know what the people in Tempe have against me, but uh, apparently they're upset with me. And I'm sorry a- for ASU is did. your personal Regina George. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone, someone, someone in the Valley of the Sun, you know, hanging out on A Mountain or whatever, has like a burn book with my name's <laughs> in it. And uh, that's great. So I appreciate that. Uh, last bit of news here. Um, Deshaun Jackson did get his release from the Rams after he sort of asked for it and the the Rams obliged. And he reported himself via Instagram that he is going to the Las Vegas Raiders. So it doesn't really have to move all that far. He can even commute from L.A. to Las Vegas. It's just that easy. Uh, But the bigger picture here, right, the Raiders obviously in need of pass-catching help. Brian Edwards uh, just disappeared recently. Obviously, we know the story with Henry Ruggs uh, not going to be playing football anytime soon, if ever again. Um with Deshaun Jackson going to Vegas, does this make him worth an ad for fantasy rosters? I think so. I, I will say there's other receivers. Uh, I, the waiver wire article is already out. There's other receivers I like more than him this week. But if you miss out on those guys, I think that Deshaun Jackson is definitely worth rostering. I mean, we saw yesterday the... The Raiders, they got Kenny and Drake heavily involved in the passing game. They were just searching for a receiver. It was really Waller and Renfro. Like, Brian Edwards didn't step up. He didn't even have a catch. We know that the Raiders are void of their deep target now. So, I think that is a role that Deshaun Jackson can come in and fill right away. He still has juice. He is still fast. He could fly down the field. It was just Van Jefferson stepped up and was outplaying him in in. Uh, in L.A., but I think now in Vegas where there's a lot of targets up for grabs, there's a role that he can fill. I think that you can take a flyer off him off the waiver wire. Right, and I think it is. I think that's what it is. It's kind of a flyer because Deshaun Jackson has always sort of been boomer bust, but now that he is pretty much at the end of his career, I think that's even more so. So I think you, you will have some games where – he maybe connects with Derek Carr on a couple of deep throws. And, you know, he's he's always good for the, you know, three catches for, you know, 110 yards and a touchdown. But he also can follow that up with, like, you know, four catches for 27 yards and then you're frustrated. So just, just sort of keep that in mind. But I would imagine you're going to see a lot of folks making a move to pick up Deshaun Jackson uh, in the next week or so just to try and fill out their roster and, and add some depth to the wide receiver spot. All right, that uh, gets us to another weekly edition of Things We Learned, all the stuff that uh, we picked up by watching football on Sunday. And 
Uh, I feel like this is a chance for you to lament a little <laughs> bit about what happened with your bills. A, a little bit. One thing that I learned, and it wasn't just yesterday. Yesterday was like what cemented it, is the Bills offensive line is a problem. Uh, and, and it's something that I really have felt since week one, and I didn't think it was getting enough talk because Josh Allen and the Bills offense was playing well. They were still putting up, you know, like 30-plus points a week, one of the top-scoring offenses. But Allen has been under duress a lot this season. At least it feels like it when you watch. He's constantly running for his life. He can't keep his eyes downfield because he's just trying to find anyone that is open. But I'll also say that it's not just entirely the offensive line because... Josh Allen is under pressure actually a little bit less, according to Next Gen Stats, than he was last season. Watching the game, it feels like he's under a lot more pressure. But according to Next Gen Stats, it's pretty similar. But his numbers have taken a hit. The completion percentage is down. Expected completion percentage is down. Air yards is down. Pass rating is way down. So he is, the, the O-line and Josh Allen are both struggling when they're under pressure. And I think it is something that we have to monitor moving forward. Um... Even in an easy matchup yesterday, Marcus, the Bills and Allen were not able to take advantage of it, and it, it quite hasn't been like they were last season. It really hasn't. Uh, you know, I was very surprised when I you know, looked up at that game in the second quarter and the Bills, I think, had just three points. I was like, what is going on? I, I just anticipated they were going to get out and, and sort of uh, you know steamroll the Jaguars, but that didn't happen. I mean, credit to the Jags for figuring something out and, and making plays when they needed to. Uh, so it's weird because we're talking about Josh Allen sort of not being 100% what we wanted. We, you know, Patrick Mahomes, we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. That's a whole other can of worms right there. So it's definitely something to, to maybe be concerned about. Uh, on the flip side, I'm sort of happy about Carson Wentz because right now he feels like a QB1 to me. I'm not going to go so far and say that he's a league winner because I don't know that he's been that good, but he's been pretty good. I mean, you go back over the last six weeks and he's got 14 passing touchdowns compared to just two interceptions he's been over 20 points in two of the last three games you can plug him in and pretty much feel confident that you're going to get at least a solid floor of 17 points and then if something good happens uh maybe that number goes up he's got some nice games on the schedule next week they've got the jaguars uh, they've got the texans at some point they do have the raiders uh, on championship week so there are some spots where you can get carson Wentz in your lineup and feel pretty good about your production over the last month he is the QB7 that's heading into Monday Night Football uh, I, I I liked Wentz at the beginning of the year Florio as a sort of a QB2 a fringe guy maybe a, a plug-in streamer option uh, I feel like he's been that so far and maybe even a little bit more yeah he he's been consistent which is very useful in fantasy football like all but one game with 17 fantasy points multiple passing touchdowns in six straight I write about him weekly in the waiver wire column he is finally now just over 50% <laughs> rostered in NFL.com leagues I still feel like that number is too low I think it needs to be higher especially with good matchups coming up, like you said. Yeah, I, I think it's going to go up. I hope it's going to go up. But, uh, yeah, he, he's he's very just – he's been steady, right? He hasn't been spectacular, but he's been steady. And I think that's worth some recognition uh, at this point. All right, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we will dive into some of the top performers from this past week, including a couple of older guys who seem to be doing some big things. We'll check in on that after the break on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. 
So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Here's a look at some of the top performers from week nine. Justin Herbert was your QB one with more than 31 and a half fantasy points. Matt Ryan at QB three. Carson Wentz, who we just talked about, uh, was your QB five with just over 24 fantasy points. James Conner, 40 points, just going nuclear uh, as your RB1. Jonathan Taylor, who actually sat atop the RB rankings for a while on Sunday. He finishes your RB2 right now with 34 points. Devontae Freeman showing up uh, kind of out of nowhere to get you 16 as the RB9. Elijah Moore, way back on Thursday, finishes as your wide receiver one with 27 points. Devontae Smith with his first big game in a while, 22 and a half points there. Brandon Ayuk. Uh, kind of resurrected a little bit, uh, nearly 19 points to make him the wide receiver eight. And welcome back, George Kittle. Uh, he got 20 points there. He was your tight end one for the week. So let's get to some of these guys, though, that we saw on that list. Matt Ryan uh, had a really nice day and just has quietly put together a string of nice games. And we talked about Carson Wentz being sort of steady but not spectacular. I feel like Matt Ryan has sort of fallen into that recently. Should we be talking about him more? Is he worth more starting consideration based on how he's played lately? I think so. And I, I think, like, I, I was overlooking him a bit as well, but I, I changed that in Week 9. I wrote about him in the waiver wire article. I mean, 343 passing yards, two touchdowns, and then he added a rushing touchdown. You can't bank on the rushing touchdown each week, but he is now top 21 fantasy points in three of his last five games. The issue with Matt Ryan is he doesn't bring a safe floor. Like last week, he had seven fantasy points. So th there's always the chance that he gives you a dud. But I think he's become at least a quarterback that we could stream in good matchups. Like next week, he gets the Cowboys. A couple weeks after that, he gets the Jaguars. Like I think he's in play in those favorable matchups, especially because we know he's going to have to throw a good amount because... Their, their running backs are better suited as pass-catching running backs, and then their defense gives up a lot of points, which leads to Matt Ryan typically having to you know throw a lot late in the game as well. So I think he's a streaming option in favorable matchups. You talk about their their running backs being pass catchers. Uh, Cordero Patterson had 100 receiving yards. <laughs> uh, and I mean, they lined him out wide a few times. He's awesome. Just, look, that's... It's, he's awesome. It's not a terrible surprise considering you know teams were trying to shoehorn him as a wide receiver for a number of years until the Falcons figured out how to unlock him this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan is one of those guys who, again, he's kind of a fringe QB1, probably better suited as a QB2 who you can use uh, when the matchups are right. And the matchups have been right, first of all. But second, just watching the Falcons offensively, it's like they're sort of figuring some things out and finding a rhythm recently. And it's maybe even more surprising that they're kind of doing this without Calvin Ridley, yeah. uh, at least the last couple of weeks. Kyle Pitts has kind of been up and down, not necessarily consistent week to week. But for whatever reason, Atlanta's figuring out how to be effective offensively. Defensively, they still have issues. But at least uh, at least Matt Ryan can, can be a nice guy that you can sort of count on when the matchup is right. And uh, I think he's, he's sort of deserving of uh, maybe a little more praise, a little more uh, startability. And look, he's only rostered in 42% of leagues. So if you were the streaming quarterback notion, uh, maybe he's worth picking up sometime in the near future. Uh, the other guy... Former Falcon, Devontae Freeman, who is now in Baltimore and uh, 
had 16 points, uh, was a top 10 running back heading into Monday night football. We have been kind of racking our brains trying to figure out this Ravens running back situation. So after what we saw on Sunday, uh, is Devontae Freeman the Ravens running back we want on our rosters? I think he is for now. I, I have questions of what it's going to look like once Latavius Murray is back. Because Freeman, while he had a role, he was playing a secondary role behind Latavius Murray. But he's played well in his absence. I mean, yesterday he saw 13 carries for 79 yards. Caught two of his three targets for four yards and a touchdown. I, I think that he's been an adequate running back for this team. We, I think he is the preferred pass catching option of the two. But I'm starting to wonder if when Latavius Murray comes comes back will we see more of a split than we had been seeing between the two I do think if if nothing else Devonta Freeman is worth picking up right now and I think he's a streamable option if Latavius Murray is out again next week which I mean he didn't even practice last week so Latavius Murray could be out once again I definitely think he should be added to some more rosters uh, just because, you know, regardless of who's back there, the one thing we know is that the Ravens are going to run the football pretty consistently. So if Freeman is for now the guy, then he should be on rosters. Uh, Remember, remember way back another lifetime ago, it feels like when we were all on the Tyson Williams train like that. Uh That went off the rails. He had two good games and then was never seen again. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, Devontae Freeman, by the way, is rostered in less than 25% of NFL.com leagues, so he is still widely available, Uh, so you should probably look into that this week when you are making some of your waiver claims. And so, by the way, I know there are people out there that uh, over the weekend asked me if some starting questions as, you know, as happens. Uh, I know there was Devontae Freeman in a few of them, and I don't think I recommended starting him anywhere because I just honestly couldn't quite put my finger on what to do with the Ravens' backfield. So I apologize for that, which, fittingly enough, transfers us to uh, what is normally the I'm Salty segment. It's normally the segment of the show where we talk about the guys that frustrated and disappointed us and let us down. Uh, But if anything, you all should be salty this week because I feel like we all let you down. Certainly, uh, Florio and I had our misses. I feel like across the fantasy analysis industry, there were a lot of swings and misses in a week where nothing seemed to go according to plan. So instead of I'm salty, uh, this is more of an I'm sorry. So this is our chance to sort of uh, apologize for some of the big things that we whiffed on this week. So uh, if you would like to start us off with the mea culpas, where would you like to begin? Uh, One of my biggest swings and misses was Tyrod Taylor this past week. I I thought Taylor was in a good spot returning off the IAR after they gave him extra time to get that hamstring ready in what on paper was a great matchup against the Miami Dolphins. But he was anything but good yesterday. 240 passing yards, three interceptions, just 23 rushing yards. I mean, this one interception that he had on the sideline, it's like he forgot that like the other team can catch the ball. Also, <laughs> the other the defender steps out of bounds, steps back in and catches it and they they upheld this one right here. I don't know why it was upheld. I don't know what Tara Taylor was thinking. Either way, it was a huge disappointment in fantasy and I put it out on Twitter, Marcus. I started him in some leagues myself, so uh, I'm sorry greatly and uh, I felt the pain myself firsthand. I was sort of with you because I really thought that uh, the Tyrod was in a really good spot and uh, I didn't start him anywhere, but I certainly advocated for starting him in some places. Um, Similarly, 
I'm sorry about just telling everybody that Joe Burrow was a must-start this week. I really thought it was. I mean, the, the Browns had been struggling defensively. Uh, they were certainly having their own share of issues in the locker room with the whole Odell Beckham situation. The Bengals, yes, I know they sort of laid an egg the week before to the Jets, but it still seemed like they were on track for some big things in the division, and this was going to be a big statement game. Uh, and it was. They made a statement. Their statement was, we're still sort of the Bengals, and I don't know if we're ready to take that leap forward. But Joe Burrow, not a good day for him. Uh, fewer than 300 passing yards. Okay, that's fine. The 282, not bad. A pair of interceptions, uh, one rushing yard. He got you 7.3 fantasy points. Uh, right now he's sitting at the QB 23 this week. Not at all what you were expecting, especially from a guy who had gotten you 20-plus points in four of his previous five games. Uh, this just was not – this was ugly from the Bengals all around. It definitely didn't help that, you know, Jamar Chase dropped what should have been a touchdown. It just He just didn't get a lot of help offensively. But uh, it was just a rough day for the Tiger King and his pals there against the Browns. Um, yeah. I, I was with you, Marcus. I have a league where I start Kyler Murray all year, and I have him as my backup. And I was like, see, this is why I've held him all year. And <laughs> nope. Yeah, that, that was rough. Uh, anywhere else that, that uh, you feel like you need to make amends for? I, I owe a big apology for anyone who started Kadarius Tony. And on Sunday morning, I told a bunch of people to start Kadarius Tony. He had one target for nine yards, uh, one carry for negative two yards. The Giants receivers as a whole had five targets yesterday. That was fewer than their tight ends and their running backs. I don't know what the game plan was here. It was a pretty good matchup. Kadarius Tony with Nils Shepard has been awesome. He's explosive. And he just got completely factored out. So I started him in a couple of leagues myself. Uh, I was very excited for him. I had him ranked as a top 20 receiver. Huge swing and a miss there. And, uh, yeah, this one I'm I'm very sorry on this one. Yeah, Kadarius Tony was another one that, that I, I really liked this week. And it's just so weird that the Giants just didn't throw the ball to their wide receivers. I don't understand. I, I don't really understand what was what was happening there. Um, yeah, they got a win, so I guess it sort of worked out. It just was bizarre, and and I did recommend Tony to a lot of folks. Uh, I also recommended Boston Scott to a lot of people. Thought he was a must-start after what we saw the week before. Um, uh, it just it just didn't work. Um, I, I was going to say that he played the Kenny Gainwell role from the week before, but that really wasn't the case. I mean, Gainwell did have more points than Boston Scott, but he also only had a three-yard touchdown. Like, that was the extent of Kenneth Gainwell's production. So he was really a non-factor as well. But Boston Scott got you 40 total yards uh, on the ground on 10 carries against a bad Charger run defense. He just really was nowhere to be seen. Um, and so I, I, I got a tweet from somebody who said the week before they started Kenny Gainwell, this week they started Boston Scott, and they just were kind of pulling their hair out as to what to do about Philadelphia running backs. Uh, my answer to you is, well, we'll get to it a little bit later. Actually, I do have an answer um, that, that will come a little bit later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. But uh, I mean, I know I wasn't the only one on Boston Scott this week, but man, that that one just that was a huge miss this week I, in a league Marcus I, I decided to start him over Daryl Williams because I was like I have Williams elsewhere I even started him over DJ Moore because I didn't feel great about Moore and I lost by like two points and cool. if I went with either other option over Boston Scott I win so uh yeah I've I've been especially salty towards Boston Scott today just uh yeah um 
<laughs> he did have a very funny tweet. We can't really use it, but uh, <laughs> we've about, all been there. Though. Been, just go, just go Google Boston Scott Twitter. He has a tweet about going home and playing Rocket League against the uh, twelve-year-olds, um, and, and just sort of the the emotional pain of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's definitely worth taking a look at. You probably know what I'm about to ask you to do because I do it pretty much at this time uh, in every show. But I'm going to ask you anyway. Go follow us on TikTok, please, at NFL Fantasy, where we're doing a whole lot of fun, interesting, exciting stuff. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's hopefully informative. Hopefully, it keeps you entertained. Hopefully, you know, it, it satisfies your short attention span if that's uh, who you are. I'm not judging. I'm one of you. It's all good. Uh, you can also check me out at Marcus Grant on TikTok. And uh, I don't know. Are, are you still exploring the studio space with, with TikTok, Mario? I, I, I am. Basically, when I open TikTok, I watch you and Rank videos for like the first, you know, couple of minutes. And then I start to explore a little bit. But uh, I need to get be- just using it more. I get self-conscious when like sound comes around my out of my phone and other people are around me. I, uh, I need to just get past that and just start watching some videos on TikTok. Right. Or, you know, I don't know, just like get some earbuds or, you know, whatever. Uh, figure out how to do Those it. are a yeah, great invention, kind of, too. They really are. <laughs> they really are. Uh, yeah. Now I'm very much into cooking TikTok. And especially now that it's like slow cooker season and soup season, like I'm getting all these soup ideas. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Made a really great. You know what? I was going to I was going to launch into this whole soup thing. We'll, we'll save that for the uh, we'll save that for the cooking show uh, that we do. <laughs> sometime in the 12th of never Who I've, knows? I've eaten more soup in the last week than in the last six months so I, i'm excited for that because you know uh you're not from a place that gets as cold as it does here in los angeles <laughs> you know, no uh, never used to those used to those mild new york winters now you're out here in this brutal <laughs> la cold uh in the winter time so yeah you gotta load up on soup uh anyway uh <laughs> let's do some either or shall we uh, we were talking about guys who have been sort of frustrating to to have in your starting lineup in fantasy, and we're going to pick the guy that we are the most worried about. Uh, first one, a couple of quarterbacks from the AFC West, Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr. Which one of those two are you more worried about right now? It's easily Patrick Mahomes for me. Like, if I have Derek Carr, I- I'm pretty happy with the results he's given me. I know the last couple of weeks haven't been great, but on the year as a whole, like, Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, he looks like his normal self for the first five games or so, five weeks or so, and then the last month has been anything but. And I went in to look at, like, is he struggling? Maybe it's the O-line. We know that became an issue for him late last season. And it's not. Like, he's been under pressure 20% of his throws this year, the same number as last season and the year before, and way lower than his MVP season. But his numbers under pressure are by far the worst. His passer rating, his completion percentage, by far career lows. So... And we're, we're seeing, you know, video breakdowns of, like, his mechanics being off. For me, it feels like everything that they do in this offense right now is either a throw behind the line of scrimmage or it's, like, 40 yards down the field. And, like, Mahomes has come out and said, like, yeah, I need to, you know, take the profit, take that 15, 10-yard pass when I can. It, it's just been off for Patrick Mahomes. And what's even worse, Marcus, is he's Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, I'm never going to drop him. I'm still not <laughs> even considering sitting him. Uh, but I have a lot of Chiefs in fantasy and, like they I had a really bad week nine in a lot of places because of this Chiefs offense I I have him in a couple of places I was able to sort of overcome in one league just 
because I also have James Conner, and that sort of made up the yeah. shortfall <laughs> that I got there. But there is there's a lot of worry, and the reason I'm more worried about Mahomes than Carr is because sort of what you alluded to, the expectations for Patrick Mahomes are vastly different than what you were expecting out of Derek Carr. You didn't come into the season thinking, I'm going to draft Derek Carr, and he's going to be the guy that I just set it and forget it, and I start him every single week. Carr was always the guy that, hey, you know what? When the matchup's right, I'll put him in. And he's definitely gone above and beyond what we thought he was going to do. Uh, Mahomes has just been slumping over the last month. I mean, you can't turn on a football-themed anything without hearing some discussion of what is wrong with the Chiefs' offense, how do they fix it, and does it all start with Patrick Mahomes? And, and look, he is maybe not the full extent of the problem, but he is definitely part of it right now. Some of it may have to do with the fact that defenses – really just trying to take away Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill as much as possible. And they don't have another real consistent third option to throw it to. But, uh, you know, right now we're, we're just sort of we're sort of that meme of the guy with the stick, like poking at the Chiefs offense saying do something because they, they really haven't. They got to win on Sunday against the Packers. But you do wonder how different that game would have been if Aaron Rodgers was playing just because – this is not the same electric Chiefs offense we've been used to seeing over the last few At, years. After that game, Marcus, they when they converted that first down yesterday that like sealed the the game, I believe it was a pass to Tyreek Hill. Mahomes like went crazy. And I was like, this is sad <laughs> because they have 13 points against a backup quarterback that pretty much I think any team would have beat the Packers yesterday. And like you're celebrating like you just won the like you, you have won a Super Bowl. You you put up MVP numbers. Like you routinely put up like 30 points a game. You're you're going this crazy for a first down in a game that you sh- look this bad in. Like to me, that was a bad indication of where this offense is at right now. It is not in a good place. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they're able to, to turn it around sometime in the very near future, which kind of takes us to our next either or. Um, a couple of running backs who right now are not playing for their respective teams. And you start to wonder whether or not they're going to get their jobs back. Um, Clyde <laughs> Edward Delaire versus Miles Sanders. Which of these two are you more concerned with? For me, it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire because with Miles Sanders, when when he got hurt, people were asking, like, do I bench this guy? Is he droppable? Like, he just hasn't lived up to expectations. So while I still think he gets the job back when he's healthy, I, I don't have too high of expectations for him. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, on the other hand, is someone that I drafted in the second round of a lot of leagues. I thought... This guy was going to be the lead runner and, you know, lead receiver out of the backfield on one of the best offenses in football. Now, not only do we have to worry about the offenses around him, we have to worry about uh, Daryl Williams continuing to play a big role because Williams, I think, has been better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been. Uh, We have to worry about Derek Gore. You know, he's a big back. Maybe he could steal some goal line work there. So I do have, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire isn't going to get phased out of this offense, but is he going to be less used and, and in a share here? I think that is a big concern concern once he returns I feel like the Chiefs are coming to the realization that maybe Clyde Edward Dallaire isn't the guy they hoped he would be when they drafted him look he's he's still early in his career but the fact that uh, he has been underwhelming for the most part and now he's dealing with injury and other guys have stepped in and kind of outplayed him uh, I would think that if you're Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, you're sort of looking around and saying well maybe there are some other options out there um, I will still go with Miles Sanders here as the guy I'm more worried about just because even when he was healthy and playing, we were still hyping up Kenneth Gainwell. Um, 
we will ignore sort of what's happened the last couple of weeks <laughs> with Gainwell kind of being MIA. But that was a real legitimate conversation we were having about a month ago about how Gainwell looks like he was ready to start taking food off of Miles Sanders' plate. Now they go out. They, they start getting Boston Scott more integrated. Uh, Jordan Howard has become a big thing. And then, you know, there are some reports that Howard's role in the Philly offense might become more permanent which does not bode well for Miles Sanders. I keep coming back to this idea that the Eagles don't like Miles Sanders as much as we like Miles Sanders. And at some point, we need to kind of start listening to that. I mean, he's averaging nine points per game, fantasy points per game. Uh, the the opportunity just seems to be shrinking all the time. Uh, you know, and then they have weeks like they had yesterday where we see Devontae Smith step in and have some big games. We know Jalen Hurts is still going to run the football. Um, yeah, we, we, you probably didn't spend as much draft capital on Miles Sanders as you might have on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but I really do wonder whether or not the Eagles are, you know, at a point where they're they're maybe transitioning their backfield situation uh, in in Philadelphia. I mean, Jordan Howard looks like he's not going away anytime soon. I don't know, that's and- just how I, I look at it. If anything, Jordan Howard is a is still a very good goal line runner, and we know that's where you know your running back could take a beating. If they want to keep Miles Sanders healthy and upright, maybe they just continue to use Jordan Howard near the goal line. If that's the case, that is a nightmare for fantasy. I mean, yeah, at some point, then that that turns Miles Sanders into I don't even know what uh, Devin Singletary. Like that's no that's the first that name that popped into my head as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's what, like you know nobody nobody really wants any part of that, especially not after you spent maybe a third or fourth round pick on a guy. Uh, who knows? Um, last one, and it includes a, a guy from Buffalo uh, as well as a guy from Carolina. DJ Moore versus Stefan Diggs uh, of these two wide receivers. Which one are you more concerned about? There, this is a good comparison because it's two receivers getting you know like ten targets a week, but not a whole lot of production. I'm more worried about DJ Moore because Sam Darnold has looked very very bad, um, and PJ Walker isn't isn't great either. I have more faith in Diggs because of Josh Allen, but I'm worried about both of them. Like DJ Moore looked like a wide receiver one early on, and he's been anything but as of late. He gets you the volume, but he's not really doing a whole lot with it. Stephon Diggs, on the other hand, will give you like 14, 15 points a week, but he has one game with over 20, one game with over 90 yards, which those are numbers that he was giving us pretty much weekly last year. So I'm worried about both of them. More worried about more because of the quarterback play, but neither one of these guys I don't think are living up to the expectations that we had for them. They definitely aren't, and, and I've gotten some tweets asking me what's wrong with Stefan Diggs. Uh, I, I mean, I keep sort of coming back to, I don't know if it's anything wrong specifically with Diggs as much as it is. The Bills just have other places to go with the football, and uh, the, the reason I'm less worried about him and more worried about DJ Moore is because I still believe the Bills' offense is going to have big weeks. You know, yesterday uh, obviously was not a good day for them, but I also see that as being kind of just a hiccup right it just was one of those weeks where things didn't really work out for them but going forward I I do believe this offense is going to right the ship they're going to score points I can't say that with the Panthers um you know we, we talked about how bad Sam Darnold was the fact that we are you know openly talking about should PJ Walker get the job um you know it, not that he's any great shakes not that they're suddenly going to start you know scoring 30 points a game with PJ Walker there that to me makes me more concerned with DJ Moore. That in the fact that they can't really get anything else going in the passing game, I do expect. Side note that they're going to start really leaning heavily on Christian McCaffrey once they feel like he's a hundred percent right, because they just can't throw the football. And and DJ Moore, 
will probably lead the team in targets, um, but they may not be quality targets, and the, the production just just might not be there. Not what we were hoping no. <laughs> from DJ Moore this year in the least bit. All right, time for another break. When we come back, we will dive into the waiver wire for week 10. We are into double-digit weeks now, folks. Uh, so we'll check out some of the names you need to be picking up on waivers this week. When we return on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Take a look at the waiver wire targets for week 10. Florio, take us through who you got. Carson Wentz, we, we spoke about him earlier. He's just getting the job done. He's got a good matchup next week. Trey Lance, this was inspired by your tweet, Marcus. But I agree, the Niners, they're falling fast right now. Eventually, I think we see the switch to Lance. Matt Ryan's been playing pretty good ball as of late. It's a good matchup next week. Devin Singletary, he got more volume. Zach Moss is dealing with a concussion. If Moss is out, I think you could use Singletary next week. Kenyon Drake had eight targets, so he's been getting more involved. Ramondre Stevenson there. Led the uh, the Pats in receiving and rushing yards. Deontay Foreman didn't get a whole bunch of volume, but I think he looked the best of the Titans backs on the ground yesterday. Naheem Hines back in our fantasy life. Jordan Howard there and Devonta Freeman to round out uh, the running backs. We've already spoke about those two guys. And then some receivers and tight ends. Uh, Michael Gallup, he could be back next week if he's been dropped in your league. I say you go grab him. Elijah Moore coming off a huge day. He's the wide receiver one so far in week nine. Rashad Bateman, I'm going to keep saying it until his roster percentage increases. He's been getting consistent volume. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, he's back in our fantasy lives, Marcus. Uh, Van Jefferson is someone that I know that both of us have been excited about. Donovan Peoples-Jones, DPJ playing the new role of OBJ there in Cleveland. Deshaun Jackson now with the Vegas Raiders. Uh, And then some tight ends. Tyler Conklin, Dan Arnold, and Adam Trotman. Both, all three have been getting some more consistent volume. Uh, and I think, you know, volume is really all you need to be a, a tight end on the waiver wire list heading into uh, to week 10 right now. Yeah, pretty much if you, uh, you know, if you can lace them up and run you know, a handful <laughs> of routes, you too can be a waiver wire tight end uh, in fantasy football this year. Um, yeah, going to be interesting. Uh, some definite, I think, interesting names to pick up off the waiver wire. Michael Gallup coming back excites me because I have him stashed in multiple leagues, and I'm just excited to you know have a chance to at least consider him uh, for my lineup again in the near future. A um, couple of names of note there to, to kind of hit on, though. One, Ramondre Stevenson, and we have sort of gone back and forth between he and Brandon Bolden for the last few weeks, but... Uh, I'm getting the sense that one guy is starting to take over, as producer Justin said to us. Uh, is it Stevenson Seasonson? I said it right. I didn't think I was going to do <laughs> you it. You got right, it. But, uh, thanks. I got it right. Uh, so that's the question, though. Is it is it Ramondre Stevenson Seasonson now? I I hope so. I I can't say yes with confidence because the Patriots have been using their backup running backs weird. I mean, it was only two weeks ago that I came out and I was like, 
Brandon Bolden is the new James White, and it looked that way, but until yesterday again when they started to get Stevenson more involved, I think this is something the Patriots have actually got wrong this year. I think Stevenson is their most explosive runner uh, outside of maybe Damian Harris, but he is definitely more explosive than Brandon Bolden, and this is an offense that is void of any explosiveness. Like, you have a bunch of possession receivers. You need someone who could, you know, take a short pass and break it like, like we just see on the screen there, and Stevenson can do that, so... I would be grabbing him off the waiver wire. I think he has a lot of upside. I'm not sure you could trust him just yet, but I think the upside if he starts to get consistent volume, especially in the passing game, makes him worth taking a flyer on right now. So we were sort of saying Brandon Bolden is James White 2.0. The talk before the season is that Ramondre Stevenson was LeGarrette Blunt 2.0. Uh, we'll see who wins out here, but I'm with you. I think he's the guy that has the greater upside. After all these years, we sort of know who Brandon Bolden is. Let's find out who Ramondre Stevenson is. I think he's a really nice compliment to Damian Harris in the backfield. I would feel better with it. Uh, I just I think he's sort of more of the future, especially for a team that – the Patriots aren't rebuilding. They're very much in the race right now in the AFC East. But maybe it's time to turn to some of the younger guys and see what this unit has as a whole uh, and kind of build for the future uh, while you also at the same time sort of play for now. So we'll see if uh, if this actually is Stevenson's time. But uh, it would be sort of nice to, to have a little bit of that clarity. Uh, the other one, and you mentioned it, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, I jokingly tweeted, you know, DPJ greater than OBJ. Uh, I don't necessarily mean that. It's just jokes, people. It's Twitter. That's what happens. Um, but he did step up and play really well. And it was a big win for the Browns on Sunday. So does this mean he's the answer? Should we grab him and plug him in, expecting to get the production we were hoping from Odell Beckham? I'm not ready to say he's the new Odell yet, but I do think he's worthy of grabbing off the waiver wire. I think he's a little bit of a deeper wide receiver target. I don't love that he saw just three targets in this game, but it was a game where the Browns didn't really throw a whole lot. They, their only player with more than three targets was Jarvis Landry, who had five. So DPJ played the second most snaps amongst their receivers. I do think he is the new starter, starting receiver opposite of Jarvis Landry. He's going to get some deep shots. Um... I just think the volume is going to make him a little bit, and, and the fact that Baker Mayfield is up and down week to week is going to make him a bit of a boomer bust option each week, but he is definitely someone that if I'm going a little bit deeper at receiver this week on the waiver wire that I'm interested in grabbing. I would definitely add him, I think, as a depth add. Uh, side note, when I was you know thinking about the Browns game from yesterday, it made me think of, and I don't know if you've seen this floating around on social media, there was a graphic called the Baker Mayfield cycle uh, where it says, you know, play like, crap for lack of a better term uh which goes to criticized by media which goes to underdog mentality which goes to beat inferior opponent which goes to call out doubters uh and then we start back over at play like crap again so i think we are at the you know i guess beat inferior opponent uh perhaps moment right now after what we saw on sunday and then that leads to call out doubters which then he never leads us back to baker playing like crap again um, the, the thing so we'll is, see. Baker didn't even play good yesterday. The rest of the Browns play like Baker didn't play bad, <laughs> but the, the I mean they had a pick six. They Nick Chubb had a long touchdown run. Like like, come on. <laughs> but you know it's like then it's gonna be like hey maybe Baker's ready to lead this team again and they're not yep. you know they don't have distractions and blah 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 and then you know Baker will go out and throw for like a buck eighty and like a touchdown with two picks and we'll be like what's <laughs> happening so because that's just how it works. Uh, all right. Uh, over to the top targets, though, waiver wire wise for week 10. 
if you have the top priority or if you're going to you know spend a chunk of your fab budget where is it going this week for me it would be michael gallup if he is available on your waiver wire roster he's available in about half a little bit over half of nfl.com leagues i checked other sites he's still available in over half on them as well so he's widely available right now Michael Gallup is kind of a forgotten man, Marcus, because he played week one, he had the seven targets, but then he got hurt, and we haven't seen him since. It's been two months now. Uh, We kind of just picture, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, but Michael Gallup is still a strong downfield receiver. He's a good contested catch option. I think he could be a presence in the red zone on this high-powered Cowboys offense. I think you do have to monitor the usage each week because they have legitimately four Good receivers if you count Dalton Schultz and then you add Zeke in and out of the backfield. So a lot of mouths there to feed. But I think Gallup is a really talented player. If he's already rostered, though, then I would pivot to Elijah Moore as my top pickup of the week. Both those guys, uh, well, Elijah Moore playing really well the last couple of weeks. Michael Gallup, a guy that, you know, we want parts of the Cowboys passing game. Uh, and that's why I've always sort of liked him and, and wanted to draft him. Hopefully he can move past Cedric Wilson on the depth chart and he's not battling there for snaps and targets, but I think he's a name that's worth adding. Uh, I'm going to go with Jordan Howard just because he's rostered in only 2.2% of NFL.com leagues. Methinks that number is going to go up significantly uh, after this week because the guy has got three touchdowns in his last two games, uh, a combined 128 rushing yards in those two games. He's uh, combined for over 30 fantasy points. What I'm saying is the dude's been a top 20, top 25 running back the last couple of weeks at a time of the year when we need running back help. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that it looks like his role in the offense may become more permanent. So even when Miles Sanders is back, uh, maybe they're using Jordan Howard down near the goal line and giving him that touchdown upside. So uh, if you haven't already gotten on the Jordan Howard hype train, this feels like the time to do it because it's taking off and there may not be too many more chances for you to, to jump on there. Who would have thought in 2021 we'd be talking about Jordan Howard as a thing? It's amazing. Do you do you think next week when everyone starts Jordan Howard, it's going to be like Boston Scott going off and we're going to hit for the Eagles running back cycle? Oh yeah, no, it'll be Boston. It'll be Boston <laughs> Scott and Kenny Gainwell next week. Like that will be it. Like because everybody's going to be on Jordan Howard, and uh, then it's just not going to work out for us. <laughs> that's what coaches do to us apparently uh florio mentioned the waiver wire column is already out so you can go check that out at nfl.com slash waiver wire fittingly enough so uh you can get some names to make your claims and a little bit of analysis to uh, help you justify why you did what you did let's wrap up the show with a little monday night football preview the bears at the steelers to cap week nine and uh, thank goodness is good riddance to a week that has <laughs> been super frustrating in just about every respect so uh let's start with the bear side of things david montgomery is expected to come back and play it seems like a pretty much a sure thing so welcome back by the way because i have uh, been waiting on him in a few leagues but Khalil Herbert's been playing well in Montgomery's absence, and the thing we talked about was that it looked like Herbert could still have a role in this offense, even with Monty coming back. Would you still take the chance, though, to start him tonight against the Steelers with Montgomery expected to play? You might not have a choice if you left him in your starting lineup and <laughs> hoping that like Monty wouldn't play. But if you do have a choice, I think Monty is the preferred play. And I, I would try to get away from Herbert, at least until we get some clarity of what his new role will look like in this offense. I, I sort of agree with you there. I think there's an opportunity for him. I think he's uh, he is sort of primed to be the new Tariq Cohen, for lack of a better description. But 
you know, David Montgomery was playing really well before he got hurt, and I can't see the Bears just suddenly pivoting and, and giving a ton of work to Khalil Herbert. So if you have the option to just sit and wait and watch, uh, I would prefer to do that. But if you got David Montgomery, uh, hey, full speed ahead because, uh, look, you've been waiting on him, and the guy's been playing well, so hopefully uh, he gets back on track tonight. Uh, last week... Justin Fields had his big breakout game that we were waiting for, 25 points, uh, including that really spectacular touchdown run against the 49ers. Can he get to 20 points this week against the Bears, or against the Steelers, rather? Can he? Yes. Will he? Uh, I'm not confident projecting him as that, because like you said, it was all on that, a lot of it was on that spectacular touchdown run he had. Is he going to be able to pull something like this off weekly? I I don't know. We haven't seen the passing numbers yet in in yards or touchdowns, so until that becomes a little bit more consistent, I, I have trouble projecting him for over 20, but it's definitely possible because of what he can do with his legs. I think if it happens, that's the way it happens. I don't imagine he's going to throw the football effectively enough to get to 20 points alone. So maybe you are kind of hoping for some rushing yards, maybe a a rushing touchdown. I don't expect a lot of points in this game. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to put him uh, just short of 20 points this week. Uh, Hopefully, though, last week sort of showed some things and maybe gave him some confidence, maybe gave the Bears coaches some confidence to, to open up the playbook a little bit more. But 20 points seems like asking a lot this week uh, against the Steelers. Uh, last one on the flip side, which Steelers would you be interested in starting tonight? I, I think Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson, you start each week, especially Najee Harris. You don't think twice about it. Uh, outside of him, it, it's not a whole lot. Maybe Pat Fryermuth if you're a little bit deeper at tight end. I, I know he got volume last week. Chase Claypool, I still think is a good flex option, but he's been so up and down. Outside of that, no one. I like Big Ben is not even, I don't even consider an option anymore in fantasy. So it's really just those two guys. And maybe if you're going a little deeper on Claypool and Fryermuth. I would definitely go Harris and Johnson for sure. Um, Fryermuth, I would start if you're in a deeper league and you need some tight end help. That might be it for me. I'm not sure uh, if I feel okay uh, even starting Chase Claypool just because the inconsistency has been so drastic. And I, I'm with you on uh, on on Ben Roethlisberger. It has been terrible for him this year. Uh, he right now is the QB 28. Uh, and he has only gotten you 16 points once this year. Yeah. Uh, it's been pretty awful. Uh, part of the reason Najee Harris has been so good because they just can't throw the football. Uh, ben can't throw the football, so they just either turn around and hand it off or they dump it off to Najee Harris, uh, and he's been pretty good. Um, I don't know. Uh, who, predictions? You, you think uh, pick a winner for this one tonight? I think the Steelers pull it off. Uh, I, I just trust their, like Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson a little bit more than I trust Fields and the Bears offense right now. But I think this is going to be a slobber knocker, Marcus. It is going to be ugly football. I would agree with that part for sure. I do think the Steelers sort of get the edge being at home. Uh, and it, it's not going to be pretty to watch. But they pull it out and they get a win. And, you know, Steeler Nation feels good for a couple days until something happens because that's just how it goes. So, uh, all right. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, why isn't there mouse-flavored cat food? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Wednesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 